Amateur Radio Newsline report number 2297 with a release date of Friday, November 5th, 2021 to follow in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. The following is a QST. An investigation gets underway into a ham's fatal plane crash. A webinar in India stresses disaster preparedness. And Morse code lovers' thoughts turn to pizza. All this and more as Amateur Radio Newsline Report number 2297 comes your way right now. From around the world, this is Newsline, Amateur Radio's first independent on-the-air news and bulletin service. Now, reporting from Shelbyville, Tennessee, here's Skeeter Nash, N5ASH. Our top story follows a recent tragedy that claimed the life of a well-known ham. Investigators say it will be a long while before they learn what caused the fatal plane crash that killed this noted DXer. Jack Parker, W8ISH, picks up the story from here. The National Transportation Safety Board has said it will take at least a year before investigators complete their study of the crash on October 21st that claimed the life of a popular, well-known DXer and contester. William Roberts, AA-4NC of Apex, North Carolina, was piloting the small aircraft when it crashed in a wooded area not far from the airport shortly after takeoff. A licensed commercial pilot, William was killed along with another passenger. Two children were also on board and were hospitalized for treatment for their injuries. Keith Holloway, a spokesman for the NTSB, told Newsline in an email that it was too early in the investigation to determine what caused the crash of the single-engine plane, a Mooney M20J, which belonged to William Roberts. William, who was 61, was an enthusiastic DXer and an avid contester who took part in the first World Radio Sport Team Championship competition in 1990 and returned to be a judge at the event in Germany in 2018. He is also listed on the DXCC honor roll. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Jack Parker, W8ISH. In India, HAMS and emergency response agencies met for a two-hour webinar to underscore radio's resilience in the aftermath of cyclones and other disaster scenarios. John Williams, VK4JJW, brings us that report. Radio in all its major forms, amateur radio, community radio and broadcast radio, were presented as important resources in disaster management during a webinar held November 2nd by the National Institute of Disaster Management in India. The two-hour program was called The Role of Radio in Disaster Communication and Information and was co-hosted by the West Bengal Radio Club and the Indian Academy of Communication and Disaster Management. Ambrish Nagbiswas VU2JFA, Secretary of the West Bengal Club, told attendees that wise disaster management also includes training local people. He said training was the key to success in the aftermath of cyclones, floods or other disasters and told webinar viewers, quote, local people are our first responders, end quote. He said that amateur radio training is readily available through the Indian Academy of Communication and Disaster Management on Sundays through a three-month program of study. One of the key presenters was Saborni Nagbiswas, VU2JFC, who's not only been involved in direct response during disasters, but has assisted in training people in the community. She's also been deeply involved in mock drills and major simulated emergency training exercises. Hajid Kawar of the National Institute of Disaster Management stressed the role that community radio has in providing support to radio amateurs. Other presenters talked about the additional roles that broadcast radio can play in getting the word out too. 
For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm John Williams, VK4JJW. Just like the hams, users of navigation systems are also constantly battling interference. Now, an experimental system promises a chance of relief. Kent Peterson, KC0DGY, tells us how it works. Imagine a navigation system that doesn't need to communicate with a GPS satellite for positioning. Operators of vehicles, including those in the military, worry about the potential for spoofing or jamming, which is always there whenever a signal is transmitted. Scientists now are looking for a way for vehicles to self-track, using devices they carry right on board instead of communicating with a satellite. Instead of relying on radio transmissions, these devices send lasers into clouds of rubidium gas in order to measure a vehicle's rotation and acceleration. An article on the phys.org website describes the device as a, quote, avocado-sized vacuum chamber, end quote, containing the rubidium atoms inside. It's described as a small, practical size with a quantum sensing performance that still gets the job done as well as a gyroscope and atomic accelerometers. Peter Schwint, the developer at Sandia National Laboratories, claims the device is also as accurate as the atomic clocks that interface with satellites to keep them in sync. According to the scientists, it's not yet ready for prime time. Sandia will be monitoring it for at least the next five years. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Kent Peterson, KC0, DGY. There are plans to honor a historic telegraphy center in Poland with a special museum exhibit. Ed Durant, DD5LP, has the details. A new museum planned in Poland is working on rebuilding a transmitter formerly used by the Transatlantic Radiotelegraphic Broadcasting Centre in Warsaw. That station once enjoyed one of the highest profiles in Europe. Its radio towers were the world's second tallest and the station itself enjoyed a role as a busy centre for important communications between Europe and the United States. According to a story in the American-Polish Eagle, half of the telegrams sent from Europe to people in the US were transmitted via this Warsaw station. Its 10 towers stood 126 metres tall, the equivalent of more than 430 feet, and its two 200-kilowatt transmitters reliably reached North and South America. The museum, planned by the Electronics Faculty of the Military University of Technology, hopes to recognise this station in its array of exhibits and with a radio station that will broadcast the historic station's history on the shortwave frequencies. The station was used during the Second World War to send messages to Japan and German U-boats by the German occupying forces, who destroyed it before leaving at the end of the war. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Ed Durant, DD5LP. Education is one of the biggest engines driving the program known as Amateur Radio on the International Space Station, or ARIS. Now, ARIS will have even more resources to educate youngsters interested in science, technology, engineering, arts, and mathematics, as well as the teachers who help them make that connection. A five-year grant worth nearly $1.3 million has been awarded to ARIS USA from Amateur Radio Digital Communications. Some of the funds will help ARIS develop a wireless electronics technology kit, enabling middle and high school students to learn more about amateur radio. The grant will also help pay for educator workshops so teachers can help students learn more from their use of the wireless kit. Finally, the grant will provide funding for contacts planned between students and astronauts during the five-year period of the grant. Frank Bauer, KA3HDO, Executive Director of ARIS USA, called the grant a game-changer, adding that it, quote, represents a key element of our ARIS 2.0 vision, end quote.
There's some good news for amateurs engaged in experimentation on two meters in the UK. Jeremy Boot, G4NJH, has the details. Ofcom is extending approval for the notice of variation for frequencies between 146 MHz and 147 for an additional year, as was requested by the Radio Society of Great Britain. Only full license holders may apply. NOV applicants are being asked to recognise that the use of the band has increased and that NOVs are being made available on a non-interference basis. An NOV is also subject to a 90-day period of withdrawal or change, according to the RSGB. All NOVs will expire on the 31st of October 2022. Applicants can visit the RSGB website at rsgb.org to begin the process. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Jeremy Boot, G4NJH. Time for you to identify your station. We are the Amateur Radio Newsline, heard on bulletin stations around the world, including the AH6LE repeater in Beaver Creek and Wilsonville, Oregon, on Sundays at 6 p.m. local time. In South Africa, a high-flying balloon carried some projects and some high hopes into the sky, as we hear from Graham Kemp, VK4BB. Under the sunny skies of South Africa, on the 30th of October, the Seconda Radio Club, ZS6SRC, released a high-altitude weather balloon that was ultralight, but carried some heavy-duty payloads. Among those sharing the trip into near space were a variety of experiments, a crossband FM repeater, slow scan TV, and the new AMSAT SA AfroCube linear transponder with APRS and a CW beacon on two metres. This was the latest of the club's projects known by the acronym BACAR for Balloon Carrying Amateur Radio. The club's ongoing weather balloon initiative has been heralded in the past for its contributions to STEM education through the program's cooperation with local schools. According to the club website, the curriculum includes programming of microcontrollers, digital electronics and, of course, radio communications. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Graham Kemp, VK4BB. Regulators are looking for comments on use of a new prefix in the British Antarctic Territory. Jim Meachin, ZL2BHF, has the details. While formal details are still being worked out with respect to the new Victor Papa Zero callsign prefix for hams operating in the Antarctic region, the government of the British Antarctic Territory is seeking input no later than November 10th on draft legislation specific to the British Antarctic Territory, which includes the South Orkney and South Shetland Islands, as well as the mainland sector of the Antarctic continent. The Victor Papa Zero prefix is also to apply to hams operating on the British sector of the Antarctic mainland and the South Sandwich Islands, but authorities have not yet determined how the transition will be made there from existing VP8 licences. The recent announcement of the new prefix for these former Falkland Island dependencies was heralded as a welcome development for the expeditioners and chasers after the use of VP8 licences was no longer permitted there. To see the consultation and find out how to comment, visit the link in the text version of this week's newscast at arnewsline.org. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Jim Meachin, ZL2BHF.
In the world of DX, be listening for the Eureka Amateur Radio Club, VY0ERC, on the air from the Eureka Weather Station in Nunavut on Canada's Ellesmere Island, IOTANA008. Operators will be calling QRZ until the 22nd of November on all HF bands. Send QSLs to M0OXO, Club Logs OQRS, and Logbook of the World. Remo. HB9SHD is using the call sign 8Q7RM from the Maldives, IOTAAS013 throughout November. Listen for him on FT8. He will also be using slow CW and SSB on the bands from 6 meters to 40 meters. Send QSLs to his home call, either direct or via the Bureau, Club Logs OQRS and Logbook of the World. Ken, LA7GIA, the noted de-expeditioner, is operating from Bangui in the Central African Republic as TL7M until the 15th of November. He will be operating on all bands and all modes. According to the QRZ page for TL7M, he will also make the first activation of 60 meters in the Central African Republic under a special permit. Send QSLs to M0OXO. We end this week's newscast with a little slice of life. Or maybe a little slice of pizza? Or maybe both. Well, if you enjoy pizza and you enjoy Morse code, you might enjoy a pie with everything on it, including some dits and dahs. Jeremy Boot, G4NJH, delivers the pizza for us here. The pizza delivery chain Papa John's has just cracked the code to a clever marketing scheme, and it's using CW to make it happen. The popular Call of Duty video game, played on Xbox, PlayStation and Windows, has partnered with the pizza maker to launch the game's latest version, Call of Duty Vanguard, which features a World War II theme with four leading characters, military officers from Great Britain, the US, Australia and the Soviet Union. Now it also features pizza for those playing the game, by ordering a Morse code kit in advance from the pizza maker, players will be able to get a kit that lets them crack the code they need to translate into CW. Each code corresponds to a different topping for their pie. The kits become available in the UK later this month. Giles Codd, the pizza chain's UK marketing director, said the campaign also underscores the company's partnership with the Call of Duty Endowment, which assist military veterans in the UK in finding jobs. Whether any pizza orders will be placed from Bletchley Park remains to be seen. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Jeremy Bucci for NJH. With thanks to the American Polish Eagle, the ARDC, ARIS, ARRL, the Associated Press, CQ Magazine, David Behar, K7DB, DXWorld.net, Gert Botha, ZS6GC, Irish Radio Transmitter Society, the National Transportation Safety Board, Ohio Pen DX, QRZ.com, Polygon.com, Radio Society of Great Britain, Secunda Radio Club, Southgate Amateur Radio News, ShortwaveRadio.de, TechRound, the Wireless Institute of Australia, and you, our listeners. That's all from the Amateur Radio Newsline. You can write to us at newsline at arnewsline.org. We remind our listeners that Amateur Radio Newsline is an all-volunteer, non-profit organization that incurs expenses for its continued operation. If you wish to support us, 
please visit our website at arnewsline.org and know that we appreciate you all. For now, with Karen Eve Murray, KD2GUT, at the news desk in New York, and our news team worldwide, I'm Skeeter Nash, N5ASH, in Shelbyville, Tennessee, saying 7-3. As always, we thank you for listening. Amateur Radio Newsline is copyright 2021. All rights reserved.